Hello and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at ouradio.org/nach or on my website, ericlevy.com, under the recording section. Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy. I'm pleased to bring to you Chapter 10 of the Book of Kohelet. Starting with the last verse from the previous chapter, Kohelet talks about the fact that one little sin can destroy a whole lot of good. Rashi says that this is actually talking about a situation where a person is a 50-50 person, where he has an equal amount of credits and debits, and that one more can tip the scales dangerously. But the brutal truth is that it really doesn't take much time at all to destroy that something that could take years or generations to build. And other examples are, Zavuve mavet yavish yabia shemen rokeach, yakar mikavod sichlut me'at. Carrion flies, meaning, meaning a single one, can befoul and ferment the apothecary's oil, meaning a high-quality oil, and a small bit of foolishness outweighs wisdom and honor. Having mentioned the caustic effects of foolishness, Kohelet will now move on to explore the fool himself. Lev chacham li mino v'lev kasil lismolo. The heart, really, lev is the mind of a sage goes to his right and the mind of a fool goes to the left. This is not probably not talking about uh, directions, but rather how the foolish side of a brain, or, or when a person is left-handed, that indicates a foolish mind, as opposed to a wise mind, which controls the right hand, which is more stronger, more productive. And I apologize right away to all you lefties out there, but you know your own history and, and how being a lefty was essentially being considered, you know, considered even up to modern times a pretty bad thing, and people tried to train lefties to be righties. Vigam baderech kishesakal holech libo chaser veamar lakol sakalhu. Moreover, on the road that the fool takes, he does so mindlessly, which means without plans, impulsively, with directionless behavior, rudderless. And it veamar lakol sakalhu, and it that is the road proclaims to all that he is a fool. That is all you have to do is look at the way they're the direction that they're taking and the way that they're taking it to know that they are a fool. This next verse is a new topic, and while Kohelet is talking about how to behave in front of a ruler in this new topic, it does not seem to be a metaphor. This ruler does not seem to be a metaphor for God, as the king was in the previous chapter. First of all, there are no clue words like uh, like eight and chefet and mishpat. Um, and in fact, this ruler is not called a melech at all. He's called a moshel. Not only that, his behavior is seems erratic and impulsive. He doesn't seem like a stand-in, a metaphoric stand-in for God. Now, Rashi says this is in fact a metaphor for God, and it is a prophecy of the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem by the hand of the Babylonians and how the Jewish people should essentially wait it out patiently. However, Kohelet um, has set a precedent already speaking about the potential damage that could be done by the bellowing fool of a flesh and blood king. That was in the last chapter with the poor Chacham who escaped the city. So it, he's now, and the fact that he's switching now into second person seems to me that he's really going into teaching mode on a practical subject of how to deal with authorities, which may not only be so wise, but may be really foolish to say the least. Now, of course, a biblical text could work on multiple levels, but I'll, I'll stick to the uh, surface meaning as opposed to Rashi's approach. Verse 4. If the Ruach, which from context appears to mean anger or rage, of a ruler should come upon you, don't abandon your place, because when it heals, meaning when the king calms down, he will set aside 
great sins. Now, I don't know if you've ever had one of those bosses who gets in a bad mood and flies off at the handle and is ready to fire everybody around him. Uh, and, and really, the best thing that you could do in that case is simply to wait it out. And they wind up forgetting the whole thing anyway. And I think that's the intent here. The worst thing you could do in that case is what might happen in the next verse. Yesh ra'ah ra'iti takhara shamesh kishkagash yotzei milifnei ha-shalit. I witnessed a terrible thing people do in their lifetime which is to mistakenly exit before the rule from before the ruler. So you can imagine being berated by your boss and you get so you don't know how to deal with this, you just sort of walk right out of his office. So that's a bad move and that's the idea that uh that Kohelet is uh, talking about here. Nitana rabim Sometimes foolishness is placed on in the highest of places that is politically, and the wealthy are set or sat down low or sat low down. Uh, if you're wondering how Rashi deals with this as a metaphor for God, since we don't want God to be a fool in the heavens, what he says is that the mistake from the previous verse is not in exiting before the king, but in that the, that the king commanded um, that, the, that the words that came out from the king, from God, to put... Bavel in these high places was a shkaga from our point of view, was not the best thing for us, and therefore the rich, which is a metaphor for Israel, was put low down, and then the next verses will describe how to handle that situation. Nonetheless, as I said, I'll stick with the plain sense, which is that your leader is not always going to be the brightest bulb wisdom-wise, and uh, people you expect to wield power uh, in those days, rich people, oh, well, actually, in these days, rich people too, uh, they are sometimes tossed out and lose their position. But it's not only a temporary thing. The very social strata can become overturned and really disorganize a society. I have witnessed servants on horses and officers walking about as servants in the land. And therefore, in this topsy-turvy world, it's best to be patient and cautious and realize that things could really go from absurd to worse. Now, whether this next section, beginning in in verse 8, is still referring to the foolish king or whether it's referring to a fool in general is unclear. I would say that all of these things that we're about to see are a metaphor for a king who bites off more than his brains and his know-how can handle. But you could read it either way. One who digs ditches will fall into them, assuming, of course, he's a fool. And one who tears apart stone fences get bitten by a snake. Again, if he doesn't take the right precautions. Of course, you can see where Rashi sees this as a metaphor to Bavel and its self-defeating total destruction, its ripping apart stone by stone of Jerusalem, but again, we'll stick with the plain sense. Uh, one who uproots stones gets lacerated by them, and one who chops wood or trees is endangered by them. Im keha habarzel v'hu lo fanim kilkal if the iron, apparently of a weapon and not of the wood axe that we spoke about in the previous verse, if the iron becomes blunted and its edge is not burnished, that is not made sharp from the word kalal, but of course it uses the word kilkal because it wants two meanings, the burnished meaning and also the sense that if you don't burnish it, it will be ruined. Then the soldiers, apparently enemy soldiers, will overpower. They will become superior. So for all of these kinds of situations, 
since the verse ends off, Yitron Hachsher Chochmah. It is more profitable, you'd be better off to have skilled know-how. That is, to know what you're doing before you go ahead and do it. My wife, for instance, always reads the instructions on electronics and appliances and all kinds of things before using them. But I have to be, uh, I have to admit, there aren't too many wise people who do the things that she does. Having spoken about how the fool will be bitten by the snake, the fool is now compared unfavorably to a snake regarding his speech. Snake won't bite without the hiss, but there is no benefit to the talkative person, meaning, to quote Jerry Seinfeld, a fool goes yada, yada, yada. The words serve no purpose. The lageria that comes from his mouth is a sign of the fool. That is, it, is rep- it represents his nature externally. And I think the comparison is that at least the snake says has some purpose as opposed to what comes out of the mouth of the fool, which is just yada, yada, yada. The words from the mouth of a sage are a grace, meaning they serve to comfort people, to aid people, to instruct the people, listen to them. To them, however, the lips of a fool devour. When the fool talks, the beginning of the speech is foolishness, and the latter part of the speech is terrible or even ruinous inanity, meaning it starts off bad and goes downhill from there. The fool talks a lot. No man, but no one, no no man knows what will be. Which meaning, which means, I think the more they talk, the more incomprehensible whatever subject they were trying to elucidate becomes. And what will happen afterwards? Who will tell them? Now, these are words that we've seen before, which hint at the idea of an afterlife, either what happens on this world after one dies, or what happens in the world to come, based on reward and punishment. So, I think that the fool that Kohelet is talking about here is a would-be sage, somebody who thinks he's a, a sage, a chacham, but isn't. And he presents himself as one who understands the world and he gives advice, but the more he talks, the more the, he's saying that no one will learn anything about life from him and certainly not about what comes after. The next one is a one-liner, which I think is very funny. The toil of fools only serves to tire them out. Why? Because they never know how to go to the city. And I think what this means, I think the idiom is that because they never stop to ask for directions. They get lost because they're driving, and when their wife suggests that they ask somebody for directions when they're lost... Uh, they are too pride or proud or foolish to ask for directions uh, to get where they're going, uh, which is a very modern idea. Although, of course, the modern GPS may have put that uh, piece of wisdom out to uh, out to pasture. And now, in verse 16, we re- return to advice about kings, assuming that we ever left the topic of kings in the first place. Woe! In this case, e is just like oi. Woe to a lad who's a land whose king is an apprentice, meaning an experienced or of the wrong social strata, and whose ministers eat in the morning. Now we'll just stick to the plain sense of this wisdom. Uh, this is a, a verse which is used to talk about Solomon, and of course there seem to be metaphors going on behind uh, uh, behind the scenes, but I'll just stick to the plain sense. Uh, which is that you can imagine these senators, they wake up in the morning and the first thing they do is have a hearty feast. And then after they're satiated some hours later, then they get around to state business. Blessed is the land 
whose king is a free man, meaning, I suppose, well-trained, well-educated from the right social strata, and whose ministers eat in the right time. That is, the eating comes from strength and not from drinking. More on those who don't handle their business properly. Through laziness or double laziness, the roof caves in and by lowering one's hands, which means by not working hard, the house leaks. A new wisdom. They make meals for enjoyment and wine will make life joyous. However, money occupies everyone. Meaning, you can keep going to the mall and buying and buying and making yourself feel good about all those things you're buying, but eventually the credit card bill comes in and it's the money which really preoccupies all men. That ultimately is the one that will affect him the most psychologically. Um, if this is still advice to a king, then I would say this is how a, a king uh, uh, should or should not handle revelry versus uh, finances, and, and that he should be aware of the fact that it all comes down to the bottom line. You cannot spend what you do not have, regardless of whether it makes you feel good at the time. Uh, finally, we have we continue with good advice when dealing with the king, and this seems to be directed at a class of future sages will be the king's advisors. Moreover, don't use your superior knowledge. That's probably what Mada'acha means. It is you, as a sage, you probably are smarter than the king, but don't use that or leverage that knowledge to curse, or probably since the word from, from the word kalal, kal means light, which means don't make light of the king. Like uh, people who hear somebody give a speech and they make fun of uh, what an idiot he was. Nor do the same thing against the wealthy and the privacy of your bedroom, which means you think you can get away with it because you're speaking privately. Uh, because birds of the skies, or like we say today, because little birdies will carry the sound and winged creatures will tell the tale.